of heights to the depths of the sea. He loves people. He created them in his image. He created us in our mother's womb. He knew us before we were even born. What does it say in Jeremiah? Before I formed you. Before I formed you. So much for the health care or the... Um, uh, what is it, the Reproductive Health Care Act, they say, well, you can abort babies up to a certain number of weeks or you know, whatever, and God's going, excuse me, I know that life began and it was going to be before it even was conceived. Isn't that scary? Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Jesus did not diminish his glory one bit by asking the help and cooperation of the Samaritan woman. As it worked toward the accomplishment of the divine purpose, the Father and the Son were most glorified in this display of love and goodness to the woman. All of us should always remember that no matter how we live, God loves us. And as it says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We love Him because He loved us first. Now here's Pastor Rob. Their day and yours to make sure that you intersected so that you must needs be bumping into each other for the sole purpose of you, Christian. You're the one who has the truth in your heart. You're the one who has this treasure in an earthen vessel. You're the one that has the opportunity. You're the one that has the solution to all the things that are hurting people. The solution is Jesus Christ. He is the solution. Not politics. Politics, in my opinion, is a band-aid. It's a band-aid. If you want to get to the source of the problem, you heal from within so that the Band-Aid is not necessary. All man can do, all natural man can do is put a Band-Aid on it. Oh, you got a scratch. Let me put a Band-Aid on it. Jesus says, no, you got a scratch. Let me heal that thing. But Jesus leaves... the 99, and he goes after the one. That woman that we're going to be looking at today. In Luke 15, verse 4, it says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, Jesus said, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost till he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need repentance. And Jesus went out of his way, remember, leaving a very bustling, 
unwilling area of people who thought they were right with God because of their external uh, ordinances that they went through. And Jesus was looking in his heart. He knew these people right now, they don't need, they don't even want me, but I know that there's somebody, there's a, there's a group of people, there's a woman that I have an appointment with. She doesn't even have it on her Outlook calendar yet, but she's going to bump into me. She's going to bump, I'm going to make sure of it. And he meets her at a very unusual time when women don't normally go out for water too, which I think is even more exciting. But the joy that Jesus had in this event is evident in how he answers his disciples later on in this chapter, which we'll get to next week. But he says to them, after he, after he has this um, dialogue with this woman, they ask him, and they said, In the meantime, his disciples urge him, saying, Rabbi, you need to eat something. We know that you haven't eaten anything, and you've been traveling for quite a while. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. He has food to eat. Doing the will of God was his food. It was everything to him. and ought to be to us as well. To do those things that please the Lord. To do those things that honor him. That is what Jesus is talking about. And to think that he intervened in this woman's life. Knowing very well that she would go into the village and actually bring out many people. And they would believe on him as a result of her testimony. Jesus sees this all in advance. And he's like, that is my food. That is my food to see the lost coming to me, coming to God, being reconciled. Isn't that his mission? Isn't that his joy? Isn't that the thing that would constrain him? And I pray it would constrain us more and more because I don't know about you, but in our culture that we live in, it's just wearing. It's like water on sandstone and just kind of wearing us away. And I would encourage you to ask God to give you that heart of evangelism again. Lord, give us that heart of evangelism again, personally and corporately, that we would be able to go out. And I'm hoping that we can do this in July. Lord willing, we'll go out on those Sunday nights. And we'll talk more about that as we get going here, or you know, later. But let's do that. Let it challenge us to do those things and break out of our comfort zones. Why? Because God loves people. He loves people. He created them in his image. He created us in our mother's womb. He knew us before we were even born. What does it say in Jeremiah? Before I formed you. Before I formed you. So much for the health care or the, um, uh, what is it, the Reproductive Health Care Act. They say, well, you can abort babies up to a certain number of weeks or, you know, whatever. And God's going, excuse me, I know that life began and it was going to be before it even was conceived. Isn't that scary? Before you were even formed in the womb, God tells to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I formed you, before you were even conceived, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Oh my goodness. What about David in Psalm 139? For you have formed my inward parts. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame or my bones was not hidden from you. I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And notice this wonderful thought. Let your heart get carried away with this, brothers and sisters. And your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. 
That means that he knows exactly what he has planned for your life. Do you know what his plan is for your life? Do you want to know what his plan is for your life? Believe me, if you, if you desire to know, trust me, God will see it through. He will, I know this because I was so in angst when I became a Christian. I, wanted, I heard about this God's will business. And I wanted God's will to be done in my life, but I felt like everything I did was, I was going in the wrong direction. Can anybody relate? I just felt like, I don't know how to do this, God. If you're not speaking to me physically, like, go here, go there. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I did. I I came to a crisis in my life. And then finally, somebody just told me one day, I mean, God has spoken to my heart on a number of occasions, very clearly. And I knew it was him. He's spoken to me in his word, and I knew he was speaking to me in his word. And he's spoken to me through other people. But that is something that is just, it is just an awesome thing to know that he is, he's, he's doing that. He loves me. He loves you. I had a thought there and it just kind of went somewhere else. So, cause, <laughs> but I love it in Isaiah 44. What does it say? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. Wonderful, wonderful things, wonderful promises of God. But he said, I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. Now, this was going to be a real challenge. And I'm going to share some things with you this morning. Actually, I've been really struggling with. And even as I go along, I'm still debating. (laughs) So forgive me if I seem a little disjointed. But when we look at what is going on in Jesus's ministry at this moment that we're looking at. He's reaching a people that nobody wanted to reach. He's reaching a people that nobody wanted anything to do with on religious grounds and on social grounds. And obviously he breaks all those chains. But we have to look at this word, bigotry. You can call it racism, you can call it whatever you want. But bigotry is... A person obstinately or intolerantly devoted to his or her own opinions and prejudices, especially who regards or treats the members of a group as a racial or ethnic group with hatred or and intolerance. And that is very, uh, that has happened. It happens in every country. It's not just the United States where we have this problem. It happens in many other places. But this is kind of like the elephant, I think, in the room as we address this passage. And bear with me and forgive me in advance because I, I, um, I'm really wrestling with this. But God is not bigoted. And neither should we. He is not bigoted. Jesus wasn't going to allow the ethnic differences between the Jews and the Samaritans to get in the way, and neither should it get in our way. There should be nothing that gets in our way. We have differences. Some people have differences in their facial structure. Some people have different levels of melatonin in their skin. I think that's what it's called. You know, different pigments in their skin. Is that right? That's not right, is it? Melodin? Melatonin. 
Melamin. Yeah, there, there it is. That's the right word. Lord, help me. I'm really glad you're laughing because what I got to share is not so easy. A little levity is good at this time. But he wasn't going to allow those kinds of things to get in the way, and neither should it. It should never get in the way, ever. We have differences. We may even have physical variations, but we come from one. We come from Adam. There is one human race. One human race, not many races. I don't know if you noticed that. It's one race. We have differences, and within our DNA... Within our DNA, we share 99.9% of our DNA is the same across all of humanity. That's a fact. And within that DNA, there are variations that are allowed to occur, but it never goes outside the boundary for which God has intended it. In other words, you're a human being, and your DNA is not like the DNA of a fish. It's different. You're not going to all of a sudden grow a fin. That's why evolution is a complete disaster. They were made according to their kind, just like we were. We are a kind, and we have never... We're not evolving, folks. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell. There was one race, from Adam, the first man, and then through him came Noah, and then Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They and their wives, they repopulated the earth after the flood, and the population of that post-flood world was from one race. There is only one human race, not many races of people. I even love what it says in our Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Even our own constitution reflects what the Bible says is true. Because it is true. What the Bible says is true, and the Declaration of Independence is just saying amen to that. Right? We are one race. One race of people. Yes, we have our difference, but we are one. And the devil... He's doing a very good job at dividing us right now. Dividing us. He wants to give us the impression that we are different races. And whenever there is a different race, then it ultimately comes down to my camp and your camp and that other camp. And then what naturally happens as a result of that? I don't like the way you look. I don't like your culture. I don't like where you came from. It's different from mine, and mine's better. Really? It's kind of all relative, isn't it? Because we are from one race. One human race. Not races. One human race. Very important for that. We are one race. There are organizations that are fueling this today. And, and, and bear with me, okay? Because this is something I was just going to cut all out together, but I'm just going to go for it. And... Um, because of what we're going to be talking about here, I, need, I want to inform you, and I want to also warn you. I want to inform you and also warn you within the context of this passage, because as we go through the book of John, I don't know that I would be able to put this in there anywhere else, and it logically fits. It hit me like a ton of bricks, and so I'm just going to share it with you. We know that there are organizations that are fueling this today within the United States, fueling this hatred between the races, stirring it up. It was getting better. 
and now it's stirred back up again. Are there wrongs in our culture? Are there wrongs in our history? Yes, there are, but there are many awesome things that have occurred. But is that any reason to just dismantle the culture, dismantle the United States and rebuild it? I don't think it is. When something's wrong, you fix the thing that's wrong. And it is complicated. And there's a lot of hurt involved in it. But there are organizations that are fueling this. They, they're, they're trying to break down our society. They're trying to create anarchy with the intent of destroying our moral Judeo-Christian heritage, destroying the family structure, destroying even capitalism and replacing it with a Marxist-Communist ideology which has never worked in any other place. It's never been successful. It leaves its people that's under its rule godless. It creates horrible atrocities. It has never been successful. The two organizations that come to mind are BLM and Antifa. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter. But the organization, as you know, I have a problem with. And Patrice Calores, one of the three founding members of BLM, said, and I'm going to have her say it for you. And I bring this up because this organization is stirring up things. It's actually part of the problem rather than being part of the solution. Let me tell you what she, let me see, I've got to plug in here. Let me let her own words say it, and I think it will be very interesting. I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are... Uh, Did you hear that? Super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories Okay, there it is. She said it herself. They are, she's a trained, she and the group are a trained, they're trained organizers, they're trained Marxists, and they're taking over our country. They're doing it. And they're doing it under the guise by stirring up this racial stuff that we're seeing right now. It, it, it's been a problem in our past. In every country uh, in this world, there is a problem with this. And we're make, we were making gains and doing so much better. And then all of a sudden, they bring this to the forefront, and they're pitting everybody against each other again. And I don't know about you, but I hate it. Amen. I hate it. Because Christ separates all, he breaks it all down. And, and, and he's the solution to it all. He's the solution. But this, this, they are part of an agenda that is coming. It's, it's in our face right now. It's the elephant in the room. And I can't help but tell you about it. And trust me, I won't be here long. They are part of an agenda that's pushing in our schools, in our culture, the critical race theory. Look into it. It's devilish. They are all about the, the gender dilemma that we're having in the schools. Does a, does, a man go, does a young man go into a girl's bathroom if he feels like fluid? He feels kind of fluid today. I'm, you know, I feel kind of fluid. I'm going to do something else today. I feel like a female. Today I feel like a male. Today I'm not sure. I feel like a lobster, I think, but I don't know. Um, you know... There's a gender dilemma. Also, the revision of history, the 1619 Project by the New York Times, totally revising history, defunding the police. That sounds like a really good idea. Yes, please, defund those who protect us. And the tearing down of national monuments. All of this is in the Marxist playbook, and they are well underway, and they're doing a good job 
So what are we to do? And, and, and I bring this up because it's creating more, they're, they're actually more of a problem than, they, than what they, it's not a solution. Do you see? It's stirring up things even more and more and causing people to be more angry with one another. And there's nothing more easy to do than to use race to do it. The pandemic was another one. I mean, the pandemic, I'm sure it wasn't their fault, but, but nobody wants to mess with the pandemic because it's somebody else's health now, too. That's why we are so afraid to take off the mask. Well, I don't want to hurt you. And everyone's telling you, you better wear your mask. You better do this. You better do that. Because if you don't, you're going to hurt somebody else. And nobody wants to do that. What a great way to create a problem. But this is something completely different. So what do we do? We pray. <laughs> we pray. We attend board and education meetings. I need to start doing this more than I, because, you know, honestly, I haven't attended a board meeting in the, in the county or in my town. Attend board meetings and prayerfully engage. Notice I said prayerfully engage. Attend public town meetings and prayerfully engage. Attend public meetings in your community and prayerfully engage. Vote in the small elections, the small ones, the ones that nobody cares about. You drive right by the voting thing, but you'll be there on the, you know, every four years to vote for the president. But all these little other little guys who are shifting and moving things, they're the ones that are changing things right before our eyes. Get involved in those things. The small elections, the big elections, the school board elections, especially, they're killing our kids with the stuff that they're doing. Shame on them. We must prayerfully let our voices be heard and get involved peacefully. Prayerfully get involved and peaceably be active. Does that make sense? But we, our country has many stains, doesn't it? Because as we look at Samaria and we look at the Jews and the, the bigotry that was before them, we have those kind of issues in our country. And I think they were getting better, honestly. And is America really that bad? I mean, honestly. We've got our issues, but so does every country. Nobody looks at the other countries. The focus right now is on us because we are the stumbling block to the one world order. We are the stumbling block. We are the, are the fly in the ointment. And if they can get rid of us, then their plan, and we know what's coming at some point, but should we just lay down and let it happen? I don't think so. We pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we get involved the best we can because it is coming to a theater near us, whether we like it or not. And I don't like it. I've cried over this. I'm seeing my country come unraveled. And I'm sorry, I've kind of hijacked the, the, the sermon here slightly. But is our country really that bad? We got, we, we, there's no doubt, we got issues. We've had plan, we have had problems in the past. But we're growing and we're learning. We're growing and we're learning. Wasn't it the Civil War in America that, put, that ended slavery when Lincoln, our 16th president, signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863? If America was really the problem... Maybe that wouldn't have happened, you know, and they would just continue doing this. No, but it was a Republican president, the 16th president of the United States, 1863, signed the Emancipation Proclamation, ending slavery, and also promoting the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which outlawed slavery across the United States. It was in the USA that we had our first African-American president, Barack Obama, from 2007 or 2009 to 2017. I am so proud of our country that we could, that that could happen. I don't agree with his policies, but I'm glad.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.